Thank you for praying, thank you for interceding, thank you for worshiping. As I mentioned, that was a real joy that ministered to my spirit, just hearing you guys uh, lift up a, a beautiful heavenly choir. You guys did great up on the stage too, Dan, don't get me wrong, but you had a beautiful chorus here of, of praise. Uh, it has been a busy week, as we mentioned earlier in the, in the announcement time, and Aiden was noting uh, Alliance Sports Camp was a, was a wonderful adventure with a lot of wonderful wins, and uh, I brought just a couple of pictures that I wanted to show you. This was, first of all, the group, in case you're trying to get your mind around what these hundreds of kids coming together looks like, as well as volunteers and stuff like that, go ahead and put that picture up there for us. Uh, that's the, the, the camp kids out on the lawn. So that was pretty awesome to see all those different groups of kids and good things that are happening there. Uh, and then the second picture that I wanted to show you that was very meaningful to me was this group of our volunteers that is here. I mean, look at that size. That's all of this group here. And just a huge thank you to all of you who are helping out in so many different ways, whether you're coaching or running or huddle coaching or rally team, first aid, kitchen crew, registration, child care, Aiden's hairdresser, and so many more vital tasks to make the week uh, a beautiful thing. And so as we're processing even now, different commitments that were made to Christ, different kids that were stepping up and saying, hey, I want to get baptized, lots of exciting things happening. We saw a lot of God's stories unfolding. I want to give big props today to Bill Jester, to Jill Zeger, and the incredible team that they put together for a wonderful week. And if you get a chance to give them a big hug or high five, please do that. But let's just say thank you to our kids ministry. Really great. Well done. And the other thing that was on my heart too is that we saw God do some great things. We prayed for that, you know, and I'm reminded of like the, the, the story of the, the lepers that are healed and one comes back and says, thank you. And Jesus was like, wasn't there 10, you know, and, and so to be people that, that says, say thank you. So this week, as you're praying, last week we said pray for the camp. This week, I want to just encourage you to say prayers of thanks. God, thank you for the good work that you've done. And so we want to be mindful and give him the glory for the good work that he's done. So we're in a series called Change Your World. Last week we were in the book of Acts talking about not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that is a word from Zechariah's prophecy that literally comes to life when the Holy Spirit visits the church at what we know to be Pentecost. And last week we were talking about the Spirit of God bringing life, the Spirit of God bringing opportunity, and then finally, the Spirit of God bringing change. And um, this is what we're seeing when we talk about the testimonies that are being shared about young people who are seeing breakthrough in their walk with them. That's a Holy Spirit change. Uh, a kid who encounters the Lord or a family that encounters the Lord in a new way. That's a Holy Spirit change. And many of us that are here, we can actually look back on our life. It's a lot easier to see God in the past sometimes when we're having trouble in the present. We look back and we see the ways in which God has worked. These are Holy Spirit changes. So today, in our third message in the series, uh, you could kind of look at this message as sort of a part two. When we think about not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Today we're going to look at just a practical outworking within the context of the early church. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to Acts chapter 3. As we're seeing a spirit-filled ministry uh, and a story of healing of a man in Acts chapter 3, we see in the lives of Peter and John that they're being used by the Spirit of God to bring healing power and ultimately the work of God's salvation to many people. 
Uh, I do want to give you a little context for this. I think this is very important, and I think I'll use this as a little bit of a setup for where we're going to go next week. But just to give you a little bit of context, if you read in Acts chapter 2, there's kind of this famous passage that talks about what is happening in the early church. In fact, we refer to this a lot of times, uh, and uh, somebody gave me a a gift of uh, this verse written out in some sort of artistic ways that's actually in my office so next time you're in my office you can see this passage of Acts 2 42 to 47 I'm going to read that for us but just to kind of give context of like what is God doing at this early part of the church so it says this in Acts 2 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So we see this very strong unity in the early church. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So strong spirit of generosity in the early church. Uh, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So strong sense of fellowship in the early church. They broke bread in their homes And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see this expansive work or ministry of the church. I want you just to take this quick snapshot because next week what I'd actually like to do is unpack with you Uh, a portion here that is very very infrequently talked about, which is verse 47, that they were enjoying the favor of all the people. And I want to unpack that with you a little bit with the help of Ash and Heather Holloman. Ash is one of our elders here, and Ash and Heather work on staff with Crew uh, and have written some some wonderful books and have done some great ministry. So I'm going to ask them to join me on the platform next week to unpack that question of like, what does that actually mean to enjoy the favor of all the people. And how should we interpret that in the church? I think that'll be a huge blessing. So don't miss that next week. We're going to stay in the spirit of this series, but I'm going to ask them to, to join me here. So that takes us to kind of a snapshot, gives us an idea of like what's happening in the church. And it's miraculous and it's rich and there's tons to learn even from that alone. But now we actually see a very practical outworking of the Holy Spirit bringing life bringing opportunity and bringing change through uh, Peter and John as they're heading off to a prayer meeting. So Acts chapter 3, we'll read verses 1 to 10 today, if you could follow along with me. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, verse 6, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. May God add blessing to the reading of his word this morning not by might not by power 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. The spirit brings life. And when we talk about the, the life of God, we're talking about the overflow of the ministry of Christ into the brokenness of our world or into the brokenness of our own lives. The Spirit brings life. The Spirit brings opportunity and the Spirit brings change. We see all of these wrapped up in this passage very easily. In the spirit of this series, Change Your World, I'd like to make a couple of observations about this passage. And it's always a little bit tricky when you're looking at a passage that involves a miraculous event. Because you would, you would ask the question like, well, is this sort of the prototype of what we should expect? And we're going to try to unpack that just a little bit because of what we don't want to do is miss out on what I would call a strong or robust theology of suffering, which if we don't have that in place, then when we don't see the miracle, our faith begins to fall apart. We don't want to leave you in that place. We want to leave you in that strong tension of high expectation that the Holy Spirit of God may choose to do something through you that you never expected. Can anybody say amen to that? I mean, that's true. He's not done working on me. He's not done growing me. And I don't believe I have finished seeing in my life, nor have you in yours, the final work that God is going to do through you. So you don't fully know what that's going to, where that's going to take you. And that's a little bit of a scary thought, but it's also sort of an exciting one mixed in the tension of saying that God doesn't owe us anything and we can be grateful and we can even sing about his goodness as we have today even when we're in the midst of deep suffering and pain as some of you are I know some of your stories I know that it's hard sometimes and we don't want to be trite we don't want to be glib about the goodness of God in the midst of recognizing that that sometimes can be a lifetime of processing to get to understand how do I understand the goodness of God even in the midst of pain it's important so we don't want to be glib we don't want to miss that but what I would like to do is just make a few observations about this passage um, it's, a, it's an incredible season in the life of the church. I can't quite imagine what all was happening, you know, as, as people are imagining the, the work of the Spirit and every day is sort of a new adventure of God doing something, maybe even very unexpected like this one here today. The first observation uh, is this, that the action, and when I say the action, I'm talking about the ministry, and when we're talking about the ministry, we're talking about the restoration work of God through his church and through the people into the world. This action, that's what we're talking about, is totally unplanned. Do you note that? The action is, this is not what was on the agenda for John and for Peter when they got up this morning, you know, what are we going to do? Eat breakfast, do lunch, do our chores, heal a guy, go to a prayer meeting. They didn't know this was going to happen. And I think that's important for us if we are going to be the kind of people who step into our calling to change the world. The action is often unplanned. We pray for divine appointments which says that we actually believe that God will put people in our paths for the express purpose of kingdom work. Now, just read this passage again. One day, Peter and John, going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. He sees Peter and John, and he does what he is accustomed to do, I'm asking for money. He's asking for a handout. 
Nothing wrong with that. He wasn't able to take care of himself. He's hoping that the generosity of other people might sustain him. Little did he know that God had a divine appointment for him that was way beyond anything that he was going to be asking for. So we pray for divine appointments. Sometimes it's big and grandiose, sometimes it's little, but we ask for divine appointments. And this is one of the challenges I want to leave you with today as you consider this passage. When's the last time that you simply asked God as you set your day and asked for the filling of the Holy Spirit, God, would you work in my life today? Maybe he's got a divine appointment for you that you're not, uh, you're not fully under, aware of. Uh, when you look at the life of Jesus, one of my friends said it to me this way. He said, you notice that Jesus was always kind of like doing ministry on the way to ministry. Like he was always going somewhere, like I'm going to heal this person over here, but then wait a minute, somebody touched me. You remember the story? Like somebody touched me. I felt the power of God go out of me in a healing way. And this is when the healing of a woman who had this issue of blood for all of these years. But here he's doing ministry on the way to doing ministry. And you wonder, is this like all scheduled in his divine Rolodex or was he simply aware? Here's the thing I love. I heard this, this quote about Christ. Jesus had a very busy schedule but a very unhurried soul. And this makes me think a lot when I make this observation about this unplanned act of work or ministry or redemption that, that happens here. It makes me think about the church. You know, because we think we have an idea of what we're supposed to do. And we run a pretty tight ship. You know, we start our services on time. We sometimes end our services on time. You know, we... We put a lot of emphasis on the stuff that's going to happen here in this hour, this hour and a half, or whatever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's good to be planned. It's good to have an idea of where you're going. And yet, how sad would it be if we limited the experience of God's work in this world through you to simply what we have planned in a service? That God has all kinds of things in store for you, some of which you may be aware of, some of which you may have no idea. I'm certain that there were elements of this story in Peter and John's life. They just didn't know it was coming. From Peter and John's perspective, they would always look back on this day, probably with great gladness, and probably really thankful that they didn't hurry past the divine appointment that was right in front of them. What a shame that would have been. And I'm sure we've probably all done that at one point or another, but I probably said, Lord, thanks for slowing me down enough to see what you saw and to see the opportunity and the work that you wanted to do right there. Now, if they looked back on that day with some level of gladness, how do you think the guy that was healed looked back on that? I mean, think about this. Can we even begin to put this into, the, into words? We can't fathom it. We don't know what it's like. This day after day, he's being carried in. He's helpless. He can't do for himself. He's begging. He's expecting very little. And all of a sudden, a healing work of God shows up. Like, you know how at the end of the day, someone who, that, that you know or love probably asks you, yeah, so how was your day? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it was like at the end of his, this. how was your day? Well, I'm, I'm walking. That's different. Miracle today, that's different. The challenge with this, op this first observation is actually really quite simple and quite beautiful. I wonder what it would look like for you to begin your week with this in mind, that God has good works set aside for you to do in the spirit of Ephesians 2.10. I don't know how often we ask him, we, we run to the next thing, to the next thing, where you know our alarm clock gets up, into the shower, off to work, next day. But I wonder if, if when you're setting your day to simply say, God, if you would give me the grace to slow down enough to see 
as you see, there might be a divine appointment for you. For some of you, there might be a divine appointment before this day is over. It's a little scary and a little exciting. God wants to use you. He wants to change the world through his people. And I, I see this, that this unplanned action, God is carrying out through his church, through his people. The simple prayer might be, God, give me eyes today to see the things that you see. Or as the old hymn that we used to sing, make me a blessing to someone today. The nice thing about this is that when we get this right, it actually reduces the pressure that we would otherwise put on ourselves. Some of you, since the beginning of this series, you're thinking about, oh, I've got to change the world. I've got to change the world. Well, you don't have to change the world. You know, God's going to use you in some place in the world to speak life, to speak health, to speak healing, to speak words of, of salvation, whatever it would be. But it's in your corner of the world. And it's only to the extent that the Holy Spirit has asked you to do it. You don't have to save all of the world. There's no pressure. There's just presence. I was actually sharing my faith with somebody recently. And I was having a great conversation with a guy that's not a believer, not, not a Christian. And he's, and he's honest about that. He says, I, we, we have a little different view of things. But he's trying to work through some, some big kind of life problems. And so we're talking about some of those things. And, and wrestling through, and, and, I'm, and I'm trying to gently point him, you know, that I, I think that Jesus could actually make a difference in some of these places. And so we're right on the kind of cusp of having this conversation, and I sense the Spirit of God say to me while we're speaking, like, just, just be quiet, just give him space. This guy's processing some big-time eternal questions right now. He doesn't need you kind of getting in the way and forcing him into a, like, well, you know, kind of pushing. Interestingly, though, I've also been in circumstances where I've sensed the Spirit of God say, you need to push on this. You know, it's being present. It's being aware. It's learning to listen to the voice of God. And when we get that right, we probably find ourselves not getting in the way nearly as much. So the action is, is unplanned. Let's be aware of that. Here's a second observation that I, that I want, to see, want you to see. One day, Peter and John, they're going up to the temple at the time of prayer. I wonder why Luke decided to include that little detail. The second observation is this, that God's power seems to be deeply connected to prayer, but not always the way that we think. You know, we think very, in a very formulaic sort of way, and I'm going to talk about that in point three for just a minute. But, you know, we do this, we pray this way, and then God responds in this way. But here's kind of what we see, that the power of God is connected in prayer and around prayer and often through prayer and sometimes even before prayer. You know, the guys didn't even get to the prayer meeting before God shows up in a sub substantial way. Now, I also think about this. I wonder what prayer meetings were like around this time in history. How many of you have been to a dry prayer meeting? <laughs> Go ahead, raise your hand. You're among friends. It wasn't here. I know it wasn't here. We've all been to a prayer meeting that's like, all right, I'm kind of pressing through. And sometimes you do got to press through in prayer. You know, it's like, hey, it's not, it's not bells and whistles. It's not emotional. It's, not, it's maybe not having the best time of my life, but I'm pressing through in prayer, and that's okay. Sometimes we're working through hard ground in prayer. That's okay, too. 
I wonder what prayer meetings were like at the time of Pentecost. I suspect that Peter and John were probably like, we don't know what God's going to do because there's so much happening in the spiritual realm. There's so many things that are being poured out, so many new things that God is doing and even surprising them. You probably didn't have to twist their arm that morning to be like, hey, it's time to pray because for all they know, before they even get to the prayer meeting, there's going to be opportunities for ministry. I read a lot of A.W. Tozer in my journey with Jesus. If you've not read A.W. Tozer, get your hand on Pursuit of God or something like that. It's good, it's good stuff. And what I would hear consistently in the writings of A.W. Tozer is what I would call sort of Tozer's lament. And that is the, the tragic reality of powerless Christians. You know, people that are, are Christ followers in name but they have nothing to show for it in terms of the encounter with him, the manifest presence of God in their life, the answers to prayer. And so they're kind of drudgedly going through life with very little expectation of anything. They've never learned how to plug in to the power of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that brings life. But here's the thing I like. Instead of whining about the flimsy condition of many who should be ready for some solid food but are still drinking milk, a little homage to Hebrews, Tozer takes a consistent posture of invitation, the pursuit of God, the knowledge of the holy, how to be filled with the Spirit. That's the title of one of his books. I mean, if that's not like, you know, like pretty direct. Recently, Amy and I have been reading. She read it first and said, you've got to read this book, The, the Fire of God's Presence. I'd recommend that if you're looking for a good Tozer book. And, and in that book, he talks about this. He's, he's talking about the, the, the problem of powerless Christianity, and he uses a very simple illustration. He says, look at the power outlet on your wall and recognize that that little power outlet could power toys and, and tools and appliances and all kinds of things, but they got to get plugged in. The current is there. The power is there. The current is available. The power is available. But our goal now is how do we get connected? And I hear this sort of lament in this invitation, and my heart says, God, I want to keep pressing in. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still trying to understand how to hear the voice of God. I love that testimony we heard today. Because here we have young people saying, you know, I'm trying to learn to hear the voice of God. You know, you learn this over time. Right? How many of you learned to walk when you were a baby? Start to learn to walk? Some of us did that. How many of you had it down right away? You were terrible. You were you're stumbling all over the place. You were falling all over the place. You, you know what I mean? You, you're making, it took you time to learn. And I actually remember when I, was, when I was a young adult and I was saying similar questions to what our sister was sharing up here today and saying, how do I hear the voice of God? And, and going out in the field on a starlit night and saying, Lord, I don't know if you can hear this, what I'm saying. I'm not sure if I can hear what you're saying, but I gotta learn how to do this. And sometimes silence is the hardest part because you ask the question, is God really there? Is he really hearing and God does things in the silence. And God does things when he speaks. And we start to learn what it is to recognize his voice. So, like, so I'm thinking about like this, just today, right? This, this service. Just take a snapshot of this service. We're talking about hearing the voice of God. We're singing songs about all hail King Jesus. 
And then you have this lunatic up here preaching to you about plugging into the power outlet of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're either all really crazy, which might be true. Someone may be like, yeah, that's what I think about you, all crazy. We're actually trying to learn what it is to walk out the calling that we were made for. You were made to, to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit to use. You know, so, so when you're challenged with this kind of preaching or this kind of teaching, you look at a New Testament story like that, immediately we go into sort of theoretical mode, but if God does it this way, then maybe it means that. If he does it that way, maybe it means this. And we're trying to figure out God, which is why we said last week, we cannot shrink God down to the size of our own intellect because he'll always stretch us beyond and push us a little farther. But if you're wrestling with it, I think that's actually a good thing. But where do we see the power of God? It's connected in prayer. So anyway, I got off track a little bit. A.W. Tozer, he's talking about all of these different things. And as I'm hearing this, it, star- it, it strikes me that my favorite A.W. Tozer quote that I've shared with you before and I'll share with you again suddenly makes sense when you come from this perspective. That the manifest presence of God is available to the believer. You shouldn't be living a powerless life. You may not dictate what God does and doesn't do, but you shouldn't be living a powerless life. And then I remember he says this, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Like that's a position of faith. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. And we've got to wrestle with whether or not we believe that is true. And I come to the place of saying, well, it might be that my limited experience does not mean that God is limited. He's just not done working in me yet. I don't know what he will fully do, and I don't know what he's going to fully do in you either. But you may have divine appointments before this day is over. Does that make sense? So the power of God is connected to prayer. James says that we have not because we ask not. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock to pray for hunger, to pray for the work of the Spirit in you, to pray for a softer heart to receive from Him. And I have to think about this with a little bit of conviction. I probably spend a lot more time trying to figure God out than I do just simply asking. I wonder if your heart and your life is marked by a posture of saying, I'm, I'm asking God for more. I'm talking about the simplicity of actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? The simplicity of just actually doing it. God, I'm asking for more of you. That's something you can do if you're 15 years old, if you're 10 years old, if you're 90 years old, you can ask God for more. The power of God is connected to prayer. Don't neglect the source of your strength. And so here's the third observation I would make um, with this, and I referenced it a little bit before. The ministry is not formulaic. So Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk. He takes him by the hand. He helps him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles become strong. Where did Peter learn that? Was it from Jesus? Before you answer too quickly, that's not how Jesus often healed people. In fact, the way that Jesus healed people in one setting was usually totally different from the way he did in another. He tells one leper, go show yourself to the priest, and they get healed along the way. He tells one blind man, be healed, and they're healed. He takes another blind man, and he spits in the dirt and rubs mud in the guy's eyes. I like the first one better, but I'll take the healing. Either one. 
A few years ago, I was speaking to a very joyful older minister who shared with me in a delighted, almost childlike manner, I've just finished an in-depth study of every healing work that Jesus did to find his pattern. And do you know what I found? He's got no pattern. He does something new all the time. But then again, with this joy in his heart, he said, but I think that's, he wants us to be spirit-led. We want to figure out the pattern. He wants us to teach us to be living life by the Spirit, doing ministry by the Spirit. We do see some structures that emerge, which is why we talk about the importance of prayer and waiting on the Lord. Jim Simbola from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, he says this, as followers of Christ who are filled with the Spirit of God, we need to learn to wait. That was the first instruction to the disciples. Wait for the gift and then go. But then wait, and then go, and then wait, and then go. There's a structure that begins to emerge, and it's important. He says, look, if all you do is go, you're going to get shallow. So you get out, and you try to change the world, but now you're doing it on your own strength, and you get, you get run down, and it's not going to work because you need the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that brings life, that brings opportunity, that brings change. So you need to learn to wait. You need to learn to go. If all you do is go, you get shallow, and if all you do is wait, well, you probably just get weird. <laughs> some of you are like, I know some, some people. They wait on the Lord good. They need to get out. They need to be with some people for a while. It's okay to laugh a little bit. Last Monday, I was here at the church in the evening um, doing a little activity, we'll say. So I was coming here in the evening on Monday, and uh, I see a bunch of our 2030 Connect folks. Some of you guys are here. And they're like getting out in the front yard and I was like what are you guys doing and they said well we're just getting together just doing some prayer just praying together just interceding just and and I didn't join them I just celebrated that I said that's awesome so I was in the church and I look out and they're praying what are they doing learning to wait learning to wait and I guarantee you I know this I know that probably the majority of all of us are wrestling at one time or another with does this matter does prayer matter all that kind of stuff we wrestle with these kind of questions but they're learning to wait on the Lord and then they're going to step out of faith and God's going to do what he wants to do and in his time it's amazing how Peter's confidence is in the power of God he says silver and gold I don't have but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ walk note that you know Peter could have given him money would, it wouldn't have been a bad thing. It might have fed him for a day and helped him out. I'm, I'm quite certain that this man was probably glad that God had something different for him than what he had asked for. God will use your generosity. Be generous people. Be, be giving. Look for ways in which you can bless. Just know that you can be materially well off and still be spiritually poor. We see here gospel demonstration and declaration. I'm just going to kind of wrap up with this little piece that the man himself now becomes the declarer of the work of God. So he jumps to his feet. He's excited. He's going in with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping, praising God. I wonder if they had to twist his arm to go to the prayer meeting. He's like, let's go. You know, so he's going in there. And listen to this. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now think about that too. I wonder what that was like for them. They're seeing this guy. They're saying, he looks familiar. Is it, that's the guy. I mean, that's the guy that we pass on the way in here. And he's healed. 
His whole life is so radically transformed that it takes them a minute to recognize who he is, which is another powerful testament of what happens when the Spirit of God is at work. Some of your lives actually have told that story. You say, my, my, old, my old world, they don't even recognize me because God's put my life on a new trajectory. The psalmist said, he took me out of the mud and the mire. He put my feet on the rock. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God that many would see and fear and trust and put their faith in the Lord. That's a life transformation that happens when the Spirit of God is at work. So the gospel demonstration of healing becomes a gospel declaration. They recognized him and were filled with wonder. It's funny, that moment of recognition, do you ever see like somebody that's like, I think I know that person, I think I know that person, and then it dawns on you uh, who they are. We had this interesting experience, you know, that our family went away on vacation, and we were in Bozeman, Montana, passing through, stopping at the Walmart to buy bear spray. It's a long story, but anyway... So we're there, and, and Amy and I had gone different directions, and, and she was with the boys over here, and I was doing something. So we were coming back, and I see her, and I see that she's talking to somebody who is just smiling from ear to ear. But we're in Bozeman, Montana. We live in Pennsylvania. Who do we know in Bozeman, Montana? I pretty much know one person in Bozeman, Montana as an old college friend, and Amy found him at the Walmart. And it was the funniest moment because I'm walking, I see the smile, I, I can't tell who this is, and then as I'm getting closer, it's like this dawn of, of, of recognition. This is my old buddy. I haven't seen him for years. I haven't talked to him for years. Amy had to dig him up for me. It was awesome. I suspect that there was some element of that in seeing this man coming into the meeting. I want to I just wrap up with with a challenge for you, really. Uh, and worship team, you guys can come on up and, and lead us in, in one last song. But the, the challenge is, is, is actually very simple. You know, that, that the changing of your world, one little step at a time, and, and the influence where God has placed you, uh, we gotta get our hearts and our minds around us. God, what would you call me to do? How would you use your Holy Spirit in my life to make an impact, to restore a little bit of Shalom. And while you might even be sitting here thinking, I don't really need another story about healing, and I'm not sure if I even believe in that kind of stuff or whatever, I realize you feel skeptical or you feel cynical or whatever. Here's where, here's where the kind of stuff you gotta deal with. Two months ago, in this room, I'm talking to a woman at our prayer meeting who says, the Lord just healed me. And you talk about not being formulaic. She says, I was getting up to come here to get prayed for. And when I stood up, I realized God already did the work. So we just said, hey, well, let's just thank the Lord. Let's do that. Let's, we'll make that our prayer ministry. And so we did. And who gets the credit? God gets the glory. So you're probably, you might be wrestling on any number of levels, but we, we still see God doing healing works which is why we're praying for a move of the Holy Spirit and praying that God will change our world in the places where he, pl he places us. So as a, a, just a little sort of commissioning and encouragement, I'm gonna ask you to stand. I actually just wanna pray for you and I wanna just ask you to consider these four words as I pray, okay? So just stand up. If you wanna receive, you can just kind of receive this as a prayer. God, Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering your church and church, over you, I would just say these words. You are the hands and the feet of Christ. He has placed you with, with special 
opportunities, divine appointments that he will reveal in his time. May you learn to ask and actually do it. Actually now, even what, I mean, we're here, right? Just, Lord, I'm asking for a greater connection to the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Just let him hear that from your heart. Learn to wait. Most of us are not in the place of waiting too much, right? We're waiting too little. We're always rushing. It might just be just five minutes, just ten minutes, just to allow the Lord to set our day. We wait on Him. We, be, we get quiet. We listen. That's our third word. We ask. We wait. We listen. And then we go. And we serve faithfully. And we don't really worry about who gets the credit because it's all glory to Jesus. Lord, I pray a blessing of favor. I pray a, pray a blessing of encouragement. I pray against doubt and skepticism. I pray that maybe even in a small way we would see the, the work of the Spirit, hear the voice of the Spirit this week. And Lord, I pray that you would get all the glory for the good work that you desire to do. We do not want to be lukewarm. And so I pray that you would help us with that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.